Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is the executive chef and owner of the Urban Oyster Chef, Jasmine Norton. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I tried to get as much energy in that intro as possible. <laughs> Sometimes I'm bored or sound accordion. It's just like, all right. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the I guess the de facto startup question I like to ask people, um, describe your word. Let's get it. Let's talk about Urban Oyster. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about things. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, my, my real... I've always loved to cook, but the reason I, I went in the direction of oysters was because of a lack of desire in the, you know, in black culture for that particular cuisine. Um, you know, I found it interesting that when I would want to go out, you know, for happy hour and things like that, you know, my friends would always want to go to your, you know, your average, you know, pub or, you know, for burger, wings, tacos, all that sorts of thing. And, you know, after learning what their real, like, reason for why they didn't like oysters is because they didn't like the texture, they didn't like the look of it and things like that. Um, and, you know, for me, it kind of presented this challenge or, you know, pursuit of exposing my friends and others you know, because it, it really just comes down to excess and it being, you know, the lack thereof in, yep. as it pertains to oysters. Um, it, but if you think about life in general, uh, that's really, you know, the, 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 like the, the core of why we are free to do a lot of things. You know what I mean? The fear of the unknown, the fear of the unfamiliar, yeah. all those things. Um, and so I just chose to do it with food um in a male white male dominated industry um so just kind of you know checking off all those boxes <laughs> <laughs> i mean you, you have that, that that groundbreaking distinction is kind of being like the first in that respect of having an oyster bar being a a black woman and yeah that's right. that's there like and you're right i think accessibility is is key like people when they travel and when they try different things, they have a more worldly and broader outlook. And I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes in Baltimore, we get very, we get very stuck in what's happening in Baltimore. Even sometimes it's like, I don't, I don't go over West. It, it could be that, it could be that simple. And um, yes, I think doing that through, through food, through entertainment, through things that people like, you know, that's a good entry point. So, Baltimore has a reputation of being a crab city. So, so how, how's that worked out for you? Um, and, and kind of getting over um, urban oysters. I know we all have the, um, the, the crappy COVID thing that we're dealing with. So, so changes are changes, but in far as the inception of the idea of urban oyster, how did that come about and being in this, this crab city, like we are a crab city as much as, I think any other place you don't hear seafood as much as crabs, 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 Baltimore crabs. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, Baltimore is a crab city. Yes. But Maryland is in general, a seafood state. Um, I think the, the, the reason that I think crabs just overshadow an existing market for oysters. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know what I mean? Like they're, you know, 
back in the early 1900s, there are, you know, there have been oystermen along the Chesapeake who dredged the oysters and all of that sort of stuff. You know, we do have actually a substantial amount of history with oysters in Baltimore. For instance, a lot of people don't know that the Baltimore Museum of Industry was actually an oyster canning uh, company. I see. I see you, you out here with the, 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 you know, with the history. I see this. I see this. And if you go onto the premises right now, and you go like towards the water, they still have oyster shells mixed in with the, the rocks on yeah. the grounds. Um, so it used to call Platts, be called Platts Can, Cannery or Canning Company or something like that. Yeah. Um, so there is the history. It, I think it's just, you know, it, it's just overshadowed, you know, the, the crab overcast, you know, the, the whole um, popularity of oysters for sure. Is it, is it in part because of maybe that stigma associated with it? Like I haven't eaten a lot. I've eaten oysters, but I haven't eaten a lot of oysters. Um, and maybe it's because of you. I can cut myself trying to, to chuck them or anything along those lines. Is is that a piece of it or no? No, I, I think it goes back to accessibility, um, accessibility. Yeah. Because if you think about it, right, oysters and lobsters were very similar in how they surfaced, you know, on the when the scene of, of of the culinary world. So oysters went from being a delicacy, right? Yeah. You know, so were lobsters. You know, those were things that you could only find in a certain caliber of a restaurant, fine dining, places where you had to be, you know, dressed to the nines. And those are places that most people couldn't afford. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or places where if you could afford it, it was a splurge or, you know, it was something that you could do periodically. And because of either of those two factors, that just wasn't something we consumed on a regular basis. Okay. Yeah. So it really gets back down to the, the, you know, the premise of accessibility. Same thing with lobsters. I mean, now we're buying them left and right from all of these, you know, like steam pot places, like, you know, like your rock and toss and your hook and reel and all those. Now we can afford those things yeah. because it's no longer a delicacy. They know they're no longer unobtainable. They're no longer beyond, you know, what we can afford to have on a regular basis. Whereas crabs have always been affordable, have always been the cheaper option for seafood. Okay. Yeah. Of course, unless you're getting like jumbo lump crab cakes and stuff like that. But it's levels to crabs, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean the the only the only crab that I deal with is jumbo lump because I'm a snob, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean this is how I knew I made it when I was able to get lobster all the time. No, I get it, I get it. So um, speak a little bit on the, the the meaning behind the name. Like I have my ideas, but this is for more so for the audience. Uh, what's the meaning behind the name, the urban oyster? Uh, so it's it's a twofold meaning. First. Um, for a clear understanding that is a Black-owned business. Um, so that that's that. And then the second being the, the feel, the vibe and the feel that, you know, we wanted to provide, you know, in the dining experience. Because of everything I just told you, fine dining, you know, fine dining, you know, super prestigious, super, you know, uh, all of those things, you know, uh, pretentious is the word I was looking for. None of those things we want it to be. Right. You know what I mean? Like those are the, that's old school. That's the thing of a past. You know, you shouldn't have to, unless you want to, dress in a certain attire to be able to enjoy quality food. 
Um, and so that was what we wanted to, you know, portray, you know, based off of the name of the business as well as it being black. Okay. Yeah. I dig it. I was just going to say like, yo, we got oysters in the city. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that might be a TV show. I don't know. HBO, hit your boy up, cut that check. Uh, So as an entrepreneur, um, what would you say is one of the best pieces of advice that you've received? Um, One of the best pieces of advice. I've gotten, a, I've gotten a lot of bad advice. This is, this is what they call padding. I got a lot of bad advice where it's just like, yo, you know, it's, it's always like some type of like drug reference that I don't know if applies to like podcasting. That's like, I can't, that's like, I can't step on a podcast. What are you talking about? Cut it with this. I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> but an entrepreneur. So, you know, if they're successful, maybe I can apply it somewhere. Who knows? Right. You know, it's, 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 I can't say what has been the, the best advice. And that's a really good, that's a really good question. Um, but I can tell you through experience okay. um, that um, credit, you know what I mean, is, is, a, is, is a real thing. You know, it's unfortunate that that's something that determines your entire story of your, your qualifications, your, you know, what, if you are worthy of being invested into. Sure. Um, but I will say another thing is, you know, um, maintaining rapport and relationships with people. Um, and I, I'll say that, especially right now, you know, um, and I don't mean just in your industry. Um, I will say one, one thing that someone else has privyed me to have advice with is knowing your competition, you know, doing your research, like you should know at the ins and outs of whatever your industry is um, so that you can know what the current trends are so that you can stay in the loop of what's going on, you know, be a marketing, a market, you know, competitor yeah. with what, you know, and one, another a true great piece of advice. Like when I very, very, very first started, a friend of mine told me like, you should always start a business that's like fulfills a need, like fills a void. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that business will always thrive. That business will always be necessary. It will always be what they now throw around a word essential. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it fulfills something that was missing, that's needed, that's dependent upon, um, and so that's definitely a good piece of advice that um, that has been, you know, passed on to me. And food is food is definitely necessary. Absolutely. I mean, I've I've been to the uh, the, the the previous location or what have you, and I want to, you know, because I want to check out what's happening right now. I think I read something about uh, it's not farmers markets, but maybe like different events or what have you that you that you're doing, or or my, did I misread that? Wait, you said it again. The, the oh. internet failed us. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I, I went to the previous location, uh, and the food was fire. So, I, I need my fix. <laughs> is what I'm getting at. So, thank you. So, I, I, I would be remiss not to ask where where can he find things at? I mean, outside of your social media, but where can he find you at these days? 
Um, so right now we are working in partnership um, with um, a local hotel. So right now we're at the Hyatt Regency. Um, and shortly, in a few weeks, we'll be kind of moving about with this back to mobile concept okay. to the Hyatt. I'm sorry, to the, the Hotel Revival. Um, so we'll be starting there, um, I believe, on the 18th of November. Uh, so we'll be there through basically next spring, um, 2021. Yeah. Okay, so I know where to get my fix at. I can get a room in a revival, get my fix, you know, just. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I made the executive decision that it, it just, from a business perspective, is not smart for us to take on, you know, any new ventures with, you know, so much overhead with, you know, a brick and mortar. Yeah. Um, you know, it's also time for us and a lot of other businesses to reevaluate with the dynamics and the logistics of our business, you know, needs to be in order to survive in the current climate that will actually impact a lot of what used to be, you know what I mean? Like, yes. A lot of lot of people's business models will not be able to go back to what they once were because of this pandemic and because it has totally changed the dynamics and the demand of how people, you know, want to dine out and want to, you know, have experiences and things like that. So um, you know, for us right now we're just kinda of sitting still with this whole experience and this whole philosophy. Um and, you know, just thinking of, you know, restructuring our business model as far as, you know, the restaurant is concerned. I think like, I think with COVID and some of the, the changes that are there and kind of the responses that have happened, I think like people are, have seen really what their business is and wh where their business could go. So, you know, having that foresight to not be stubborn and say, Oh, I'm just going to do this. We'll be great. And then, you know, seeing places that have been around for forever, just do that move and it just not work out. City Cafe comes to mind and no shots, of course, but it's a thing where people, it's just like a lot of mixed messages out there. And I think you, you, you're, you, you sound like, yeah, we, we're, we're still here. We're still here. We're still doing this. And that's, that's what I like to hear. And in that, it brings me to my next question, which is a two-parter actually. Um, okay. greatest triumph of the business owner and greatest challenge as a business owner. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on that? Say it's the first part again. Uh, uh greatest, uh, triumph. Greatest triumph, um, is being recognized as someone who's making a difference. Um, you know, it's important to me that our food is spectacular, of course, um, that our customer service also is spectacular, but, you know, making a difference, you know, in, in a city that I was born and raised in, you know, you know, my, my small contribution to, you know, shedding a better light on Baltimore, you know, helping people to learn, you know, the ins and outs of being an entrepreneur themselves. You know, a lot of what I learned in business came from trial and error. I learned it as I experienced it. I mean, that's something that I'm really, like, striving to be able to build some sort of cohort or something like that 
I mean, there's so many teenagers that I've met who literally created businesses in this pandemic. And that is what the world needs. They need creative people who can rise to the occasion of adversity, challenges, and, you know, do the complete opposite of what most people would expect for someone to do under pressure. You know what I mean? Like, I could have been one of those people that have been like, you know, maybe this restaurant just isn't for me. This restaurant thing is just not for me. And I don't know, maybe I'm going to do something else. But to know how to pivot and be creative with that and still be in demand or, you know, something that people are wanting and needing, um, I just think that that's that's what is needed, you know, in the future, um, as our future. And so what I'd like to do is um, establish a cohort, you know, down the line to teach people like just the, the basic business necessities, you know, where to where to register your business, what documentation you need to be a legal operating business. A lot of unfortunately black businesses are not operating illegally. Um, or, you know, and it's just because of lack of knowledge. Again, access. Yes. Access. Not having those people in their corners, not knowing the right people, not knowing the right questions to ask. You know what I mean? And um, that's, that's one of the things I'd like to provide to young teenagers who, you know, they have the vision, they have, you know, they have the ambition, but it's, you know, the more administrative things that they might not have or, you know, they just don't know where to start, where to go, you know, what the process is. So something I'm definitely hoping I was supposed to be doing it this year with actually a school in Cherry Hill called New Era Academy. But of course, with the pandemic, it's kind of put a lot of things on hold. But it's definitely something I'm not, I'm not willing to, you know, let, let slip under me. I like that's that's great. And I think that's one of the things um, that gets lost. Like I went to school for business and I I think one of the early episodes of this podcast I did, uh, I think the first episode, actually, it was with James Nasty. And one of the things that he had mentioned, he was just like, people don't have their business stuff together. He's like, I want to do a class on it. He was just like. Black people are free, non-black people, you got to pay. And it was, it was like, great. And he was just kind of speaking on the accessibility thing. And, you know, even now, like I, with this podcast, I've been doing podcasting for 12 years and, um, I got to this point where I was like, what am I doing? Am I just going to do this as a hobby? Do, what, what do I view this as? And, you know, sometimes things can be really simple and you can just kind of go through a few clicks and find the whole process of registering your business and doing all of that. And other times you may not be a savvy or you may not be doing it in the right way. And you need somebody to help you walk through that and, and get through that stage. And it's something that easily can be missed. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think, um, I think one of my questions you already asked, I have the, the, uh, the gauche question of why Baltimore you've already answered it. I think, uh, so speak a little more, speak a little bit on, um, the Baltimore food scene. You're, you're in that industry. And I, I think, I think the Baltimore food scene is great. I think it's special. I think it's unique. What are your thoughts around it? Is it special? Is it unique? And if so, what makes it that way? Um, I certainly think that the Baltimore food scene is definitely, um, in this, this, I would say reinventive process, right? Yeah. 
Um, you know, before I started my business, I worked in corporate America. I was working in New York. And, you know, a lot of the cuisine I felt I couldn't find in Baltimore. You know, like I couldn't find rum. Couldn't find, you know, super good bao buns or, you know, tacos or pizza or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like then these young, you know, millennials started showing up. Just doing any and everything you can imagine. I mean, even taking donuts and just like making them into like just no longer Dunkin' Donuts in 7-Eleven, you know. So um, Baltimore is definitely like evolving, um, is definitely, you know, a go to something that people are now traveling to our city to, you know, I just, we just had a customer, which is not the first time, but we just had a customer who traveled all the way to Philly and actually stayed at the hotel just so she could have our food. Um, you know, and we have quite a few people that come from Philly, from Jersey, from, you know, DC, Virginia. Um, I had a woman who her, her mother-in-law was having surgery and she had been following us, but she was from like Richmond and they were coming in town to be there for her her, her uh, mother-in-law. And she's like, I finally, you know what I mean? Like get to experience your food, you know? Um, so I think that, you know, we definitely, we are definitely like on the map, definitely highly, you know, sought after. Um, but as a local, <laughs> I feel like the, the restaurant scene is very uh, clickish. Not owners, mm-hmm. but consumers. Yes. Consumers. You know, um, you know, their particular restaurants, I don't necessarily, you know, care to indulge in because they don't want me there. And I find it pretty sick that individuals know that they don't want people of color there or black people there. And for whatever reason, you're still loyal mm-hmm. to particular businesses but you give black businesses a hard time like oh because you know you asked for three sauces and we might have gave you two or you asked for ten napkins and I gave you nine like it like the most petty things you give me a hard time about but these blatant racist restaurants yes you're so loyal to not necessarily the food because the food is mediocre but the vibe like really I I, I remember when this st- started and I try to play chaos agent sometimes. Uh, I, I mean, I'm six four and I'm like three fifteen. I was like, no one's talking ish to me. So I, I remember there was one crab shack that I was like, I think I'm just gonna roll up there and just have a conversation with someone. Hey, how's it going? Uh, so you don't like this? So this is what you think? And but just seeing how you have certain places where. I think for me, when I find out what's happening, because I'm a foodie, when I find out what's happening at certain places or hear different stories, I don't go with the, well, we don't know. It's like, nah, this person experienced that. I don't need a video. Uh, You're not getting my money anymore. Right. How many times? How many times? I mean, even if it's not blatant, you you know what feeling you got if you did go before it ever was a thing that was made, like, worldwide. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But... You know, what do we do? It's 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 that situation, and I think 
you you speak with your your dollars, you speak with you, what you're doing, you speak with your authenticity. And um, I, I've heard the clickage. This is the first time I've heard the clickage thing within the uh, the food community. I've heard it in the arts community for, for different reasons. But, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things, the, the real thing. I don't want to do purely like, hey, guys, everything is harmonious. It's like, nah, things are real. And, um you know, in that particular area uh, where your spot was at, um, the brick and mortar, I've heard some different things. And I was in that area regularly because my barber was there. And, you know, it, it was a thing. And when I heard about what was going on, I was kind of pissed. And that's just factual. Hearing about things with, um, um, what was it, the spot, uh, Ice Queens, what have you, just different things that was happening. And people in the know, my barber being one of the guys that, you know, moved over there, he was just like, this is not a secret. He's like, people who have a business over there, they know. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, um, I'm always one that, like, kind of, like, push the envelope or, like, you know, do everything that is not expected of me to do because, like, I never want to be predictable. And so my, my whole philosophy with going to that area is – I belong just like anyone else does. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And so if, I, first of all, I was sought after, right? So which means that from the developer standpoint, obviously like, yes, I do have a great brand, but I'm, I'm a black woman first. And so that's just naturally what's going to flock to my business and support me. So, um, but my philosophy is like, why not go there? Like I belong there just like anyone else does. And um, my people want to come and whoever else wants to come, we welcome everyone. And we're just going to, we're going to be good. Um, I can't say that's exactly how it went, but <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. we also didn't have those same blatant experiences that unfortunately ice queens did too. Yeah. Um, but also when I say clickish, I also, think that people go to certain parts of Baltimore because those are where, mm-hmm. you know, particular areas and restaurants are known to be. And so people are like married to those areas. People are married to the Avenue. People are married to Fells Point. People are married to Kenton. You know what I mean? And everywhere else seems like just so far of a distance, which was one of the challenges for us being in Lucas Point, you know, um, it's not even like 10 miles from one side of the water to the next. Right. <laughs> so I mean, it's not 10 miles. It's not even five miles from Fells Point to Lucas Point, but people were so, you know, they're so accustomed to these areas, you know? Um, and so that is another point, you know, that I meant when I say people were there, that the food scene is kind of clickish as far as from a consumer local standpoint no yeah that's that's true like my my philosophy in in food and it's it's this like you connect with somebody you see what they're doing you try some good food i I go through the publications what's listed what's open what's shut baltimore magazine.com whatever and follow people on social media and ultimately in part doing this podcast is why i reach out to some of the people i do what are you doing is your food good i've been to places where they have all of the Yo, brother, come through, peace. And I'm like, hmm, kind of ran out of your special real quick. I don't know. And I'll, I'll give it, you know, I'll give it some love or what have you. But at the same time, it's like I come purely as a consumer and I, I don't care where it's at. I'm going to travel there if it's good food, if it's good stuff. One, I'm going to try it, enjoy it, put it on and speak the praises of it. 
And, you know, that's just how it goes for me. So I got, I got two more questions um, before we wrap up. Then you can shamelessly plug, do whatever, social medias, all of that stuff. Um, so uh, share your thoughts on being on Triple G, Guys Grocery Gains. Oh, man. Um, first of all, I was blown away that little old me would even be discovered, you know what I mean, like, and be put in that position. So... I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know if God whispered in their ear or what. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely grateful for the experience. Um, it was a great one too, to be honest with you. Um, you know, guy is just as funny, corny jokes, all those things. I'm like, but you know what? He was very inspiring as well. Like, very motivating. Like, he wanted us to shine in the best light. All of us, win win or lose, he wanted us to shine in the best light we could because essentially, you know, even if we didn't leave with that money, we won the recognition. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we we won the exposure to the world being on the Food Network, um, and so he wanted us to be shit. You know, shine shined in the best light possible. Um, and to this day, I'm in contact and friends with all of the competitors. We have a group chat, you know, um, like we were just talking a few days ago, like the one who, who won, he kind of, he actually separated from, uh, he was working in the stratosphere as the executive chef at the top of the world restaurant. Mm -hmm. And he kind of wanted to go back to his roots. He's Spanish. He wants to cook Mexican food and, you know, cook from his roots. So he, He's doing that now with a newly open restaurant and the other chef, um, one of the finalists, he uh, is working at, like on some Michelin star type program in, in Cali. And then the other female, um, you know, she's just pounding it out, trying to stay, you know, trying to survive in this uh, in this pandemic. And she's been killing it. And I had some friends that went there this summer and made them go and, of course, go to her restaurant. Yeah. So, um, but no, it was a great experience for sure. Like, I had a great time. So we're going to have you do a, um, like, a guy's grocery games version here, like, uh, like, like Jasmine's junk foods. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so some type of game. Yeah, you definitely missed the menu because when we still were at the brick and mortar, um, we were doing pop-up menus during the pandemic. And so one of them was the two dishes that I made on Guys Grocery Games as one of our pop-up menus. That's fire. That's fire. The last question I have, uh, for all of those novices out there, for all of those neophytes out there, um, Describe the, 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 the perfect oyster setup. I'm talking about from what, what, what kind of oyster are you going to go with? Is, does it have toppings? Do you have the bacon in there? What do you got in there? Is, you, what kind of drink are you having with it? Are you having a drink? Is that music playing? What's the scenario? So, mm. I'm talking about yours. You gotta, you're selling it here. So oysters, though. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I always start with it being fully cooked because that's how I have to win people over. <laughs> I like that. I always reference, you know, that that we we uh, adopted the concept from, you know, the New Orleans style in tradition of how they prepare, you know, oysters, which is char grill. Um, you know, and anything with butter, like already kind of like grill somebody in. So we're like lemon garlic butter base, you know, with the a blend of mozzarella and parmesan, like all the things like that. 
Um, and but we have four different flavors actually. So we have like a little bit for everyone. So like for your, you know, your non dairy folks, we have our teriyaki, you know, um, option which has like teriyaki sauce, crushed pineapples, scallions, and wonton. Um, and then for people who like spicy, we have our, what we call volcano oil, um, which actually was birthed from a. <laughs> Which actually was birthed from a pop up we did in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, um, at a, a restaurant called Bucktown Fish, Chicken and Fish and Chicken. Yeah. Um, and so that's like this. It's it's like it's irresistible heat because it's really flavorful, but it's like this sambal garlic butter. So it's, it's spicy, but it's really good. Like. You know, there's like addictive qualities in, okay. in spicy foods anyway. Um, and then the, the BBC, um, the bacon barbecue cheddar, like everybody, everybody loves that one. That's everybody loves that great one. name. It's a great name. <laughs> yeah, I've heard things about <laughs> that name. So, but yeah, BBC for us is bacon barbecue cheddar. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's all that matters. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's transferable. But, you know, we, we've created these, you know, quirky names and, you know, all of that stuff, like Volcano Oi. And then the Cheese Louise is our mozzarella and Parmesan Sorry. because there is several cheeses. Um, but the thing is for it to leave a lasting impression and for it to be memorable. You know what I mean? Um, so down to the name, down to the experience, down to the 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 mixture of ingredients, you know, things that you wouldn't expect. So... Um, we're all about the experience and, you know, the consumption of our food. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. Then that's pretty much it. Shamelessly plug anything that you want to plug right now. <laughs> okay. Um, so as you know, or I should say, um, we are still up alive and well as the Urban Oyster. Um we are currently working out of the Hyatt Regency right now, but we will be moving our residency over to the Hotel Revival um, and probably rolling with that until this pandemic is over. But we have also found a permanent home for our burger concept, which is the Urban Burger Bar. Actually, I'm sitting in here right now at our stall at Whitehall Mill, which will be opening this fall. Um, huh. And expect the same great flavors, same cool names. Like we got Bacon Bay. <laughs> we got the Skyscraper Burger, which is like massive. Like it's like this like tall off the plate. Um, and amazing uh, milkshakes that we'll have. We'll have a banana pudding milkshake. milkshake. We'll have um, a strawberry short milkshake with like that good humor crumble strawberry shortcake crumble oh boy what is happening here (laughs) we'll have a s'mores uh milkshake so um you know it's uh, like i said to me it's the playground of the creative right now with everything that's going on you know um and and it's 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 a chance for us to, to test and you know put put on you know to action a lot of the concepts and, you know, aspirations that we've had for the, for the business. So look out for that. Urban Burger Bar coming soon. So uh, social media, all of that stuff, where can they check you yeah. out? 
So uh, you can find us for the Urban Oyster at the Urban Oyster on Instagram or www.theurbanoyster.com. Also, uh, the Urban Burger Bar at on Instagram um, website under construction right now, but it'll obviously be the urbanburgerbar.com as well. So check us out. And if you're looking for me or my episode on guys' grocery games, I certainly know that by heart. <laughs> <laughs> so it's season 23, episode 26. Yeah. Wow. Just, just right there. Just right there in the front. So thank you. This has been fantastic. I'm going to sign off. Um, for Chef Jasmine Norton, I'm Rob Lee. Uh, saying that there is art and food uh, in and around Baltimore. All you have to do is look for it. Mm-hmm.